Wonderful. Hey, hey, as I was uh, finishing message prepping today and uh, I, was, I was working the sermon today, I, I got an idea. Sometimes I do this when I'm message prepping. I'm, I'm always trying to think of the future. Uh, just thinking if God gives me or, or just even something comes to my mind, I'm like, oh, that's a good thing or that goes with this message. I pull up my Google Docs and I put it forward. So I, I got this idea for a message called just message on testimonies, just talking about your story and just the power of those things. And so I start a new document, and this is literally everything I have written, message on testimonies, John 9, 25, personal revelation through personal experience, Luke eleven fifty two. 52. Um, we are not preaching today's sermon. We're going to preach this message. Uh, I really believe that God is causing us to pause and to pivot in this moment today. So tech booth, don't worry about slides today. Everybody else, would you turn to me in John chapter 9? And we're going to figure out what God has to say to us today, because I'm not exactly sure. But it's going to be good. Amen? Amen. There is so much power in your spoken testimony. The word of God, it's not just a list of facts that you must accomplish. It's not just words to memorize so that you can blurt them at the, at the drop of a hat. It's not something you can depersonalize and come to it in a way that you can use it for whatever you want. You can't just uh, siphon it down to be a cool catchphrase to put on a hoodie. You can't just put an inspirational verse on the background of your phone. It's so much, much more than that. When you come to experience God, it is an experience that creates a revolution, revelation in you. A revelation changes your life. A revelation, when you experience a revelation, it is an end of an, one thing and the beginning of a new thing. When you think of uh, end times, like uh, not, not like end times in the Bible, like end times like zombies, okay? Like apocalyptic kind of things. The word for that was apocalyptus, which is revelation. It's the literal idea of the ending of a whole world and the beginning of a new world. And every testimony you heard up here today was the ending of one world and the beginning of a new world. You will never, ever be the same after you've experienced Jesus. And there will be moments in your life where you have such a strong encounter with God that you will never, ever be the same. I've had these moments in my life where I've experienced God in a new way. It's a personal way. A beautiful way, a way that only made sense to me. I came and experienced him in a way that I needed to hear God. It was a scripture or a word or something that happened. I just knew that God was speaking to me. I remember one time I had one of these moments where I was literally on a mountain. It was at a conference retreat and I had this, they had this huge, huge cross. You literally could see it from miles away. At certain points on clear day, you could see it across the state line. It was just huge cross in Jamonville, Pennsylvania. And I had this coming to Jesus moment, this experience with Jesus that changed me for the rest of my life. It wasn't my salvation moment. It was just a deeper level of intimacy with the Lord. And in that moment, I had just surrendered all these things to God. I just knew that I was supposed to just give control over my life. I was trying to control it too much. I just needed to surrender and follow God. 
So the next day, I joined everybody else at the conference at lunch or breakfast or whatever it was. And I really audibly just felt God's presence come on me and say, you need to go to Rachel McKee and tell her you love her. I said, Lord, I don't love Rachel McKee. I don't want to give her the, even the hint that I love her. Lord, like, no way. Way younger, even more awkward with this uh, female-male dynamic. Like, I wasn't, this, how do you tell somebody that you just love them? That's weird. But the Lord said, do you remember what happened last night? You said you were going to stop trying to control so much. You're going to listen. You're going to obey. I thought you were releasing. You're going to, uh, here's the first thing. Go tell her that you love her. And so I mustered up the courage, and I go up to Rachel McKee, and I say, uh, yes, uh, I love you. And I walked away. I didn't wait to see what the Lord would do. I didn't care what the Holy Spirit was doing. I just needed to get out of that cafeteria, banana and apple to go. And later, about a week later, we didn't have to talk to each other for about a week. She came up to me and she said, why, why did you say that? I felt like the Lord told me to. There's nothing romantic here, Rachel. Don't read into this. And she said, uh, well, I needed to hear that. I had just prayed, God, if you really are real, would you tell me that you love me? That's a, it's a God moment, a thing that could never, ever happen with just facts, with just reading your Bible, just trying to memory things. It was an experiential type of moment. God is not here just to lay down rules and to get you to live your life a certain way. Otherwise, you will please him or not please him, send you to hell or heaven. God deeply, deeply desires to be in a relationship with you. He wants to know you. James 4 says that as you draw near to God, he will draw close to you. So would you turn with me to James, uh, John chapter 9, and we'll see what the Lord says. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sin or his parents' sin? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, spread the mud on the blind man's eyes, and he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, him, washed and came back. And the story is he begins to see but the religious officials a little bit later begin to challenge what really happened to him they said to the parents was this man actually born blind was he just faking it all these years scared of the outcome or the religious persecution they, the parents said he's a grown man go ask him don't ask us so they go track down the man and they say what happened he said, I, I don't know. He just, the guy prayed for me. I don't know if he's a prophet or whoever, but he prayed for me. He told me to do this, and now I can see. If you skip over to verses 25, 24, they said, so for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Well, I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind 
and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once. Didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they got real mad at him. They cuss him out, they kick him out, and then they just plot of how they're going to take care of Jesus. And so here's this guy. He literally was a beggar at the gates. Blind, could not care for himself. And one day, Jesus walks along, and he calls out. And Jesus comes, and he has an experience with Jesus. He has a revelation, apocalyptic moment. His life will never be the same. Everything has changed. And the world wants to crush him for it. They want to persecute him. They say, what do you know? You're so stupid. You think you know more than us? We've studied the Bible our whole lives. This guy isn't Jesus. This isn't the way of life. You've been deceived. He's a devil. He works for Beelzebub. What are you talking about? I love this line in verse 25. I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but I know this. I was blind, but now I can see. You will have moments in your life where you're reading your Christian walk where you say, I don't know the answer to this. How can a good God let evil happen in the world? How can you know all the things that are going to happen? How can you be all powerful if I have free will? Blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of good things, and it's good to be able to figure out the answer to that. But when you have a revelation, an, uh, an encounter with Jesus, that will last you and carry you and experience you to say, I don't know. But what I do know is I had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. I know that I was dead and now I am alive. I was blind, but now I can see. I know that something was off and wrong, but now there's something changed and new. I'm never going back. And that is the power of an encounter with Jesus Christ. Ben, you can actually make your way forward. It's not just for you. A little while long, verses uh, 35, when Jesus heard what happened, he found the man and he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? I love this fact that Jesus heard that the man was kicked out of his community. He was ostracized. He was uh, shamed in front of all these people publicly. You idiot, what do you know? Get out, get out, get out. Jesus heard what happens and he didn't just leave him. I'm so glad that you're following me, but now you're going to be alone. No. Jesus heard what happened and he went and found him. Do you believe in the Son of God, the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, this man said. And he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim to see. The reason that I believe this story is highlighted to us today is because of the difference between the academic, the religious, who knows their Bible, knew the scripture like the back of their hand, literally could recite it all, but they did not know Jesus. Luke chapter 52 Sorry, there's no Luke 52. <laughs> Luke 11, verses 52. <laughs> Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, he says, uh, What sorrow awaits you, experts in religious law, for you remove the key to the knowledge from the people. You don't enter the kingdom yourselves, and you prevent others from entering. 
You guys have heard four testimonies. You've heard people's stories of their encounter with Jesus, but nobody can do it for you. That key, you must enter yourself and experience to begin to know God. Nobody can know God for you. You must do it for yourself. And once you do it, go share the word. There are other people who need to hear the good news of Jesus in your life. And you've had that experience where you can say, I, I don't know how to explain every single answer. I don't know every single thing. I can't explain it every way, but I do know that I was blind and now I see. And it's as simple as that, friends. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus before, I'd like to give you an opportunity to commit and make that decision today. Many, many years ago, there was a man named Jesus Christ. He came and he died to pay a cosmic price for our mistakes and our sins, things that kept us from relationship and intimacy with God. By the power of God, he was able to conquer death by being raised from the dead. By belief and faith in Jesus, you too can have eternal life, peace and the love and acceptance, all the things that we so deeply desire in our lives. The Bible is a story about Jesus and about following Jesus. And it is so much more than just words on a paper. It's an encounter with a real deity, a real person who wants to know you and to reveal himself to you over time. My prayer today is that you would experience Jesus, that you would know him, and that you would be free, free from your past, free from your sin, free from the things that are holding you back from having the life that God desires for you to have. And so if that's you today and you know that there is unbelief in you but you wish to believe, I just encourage you to put your hand up in the air. We can close our eyes just to give comfort to everybody else in this room. But if that's you today and you'd like to commit to follow Jesus, I'd love to just pray with you and help you walk through that. If that's you, you can put your hand in the air now. Amen. 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 I see you. Thank you, God. Praise Jesus. I'm not going to rush this moment. It's not a, to coerce you or to persuade you. I give you a moment just to talk to your personal God who wants to speak to you, who is speaking to you. If you're in the room today and you feel like the religious elite have been far from God and that you've used your knowledge to actually distance yourself from actually participating and knowing God at a personal and real level, I would invite you to put your hand up in the air today. You know that there's more for you to be had. Amen. Church, will you just stand and pray with me today? We believe in the ABCs here at Church in the Rock. Admit, believe, and confess. Romans 3.23 says that you need a Savior. He says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, Father, right now, we just admit that we have fallen short of your glory, Father. We admit that there's nothing on our own strength, God, that we can do to fix ourselves. There's nothing on our own strength, God, that we can do to get into heaven. 
Lord, we know that there are things that we have done that are wrong and that are not of you. And we are so sorry for that. Church, I'm just going to be quiet for a second and allow you to respond just in your head and your own heart and pray to God. Admit that you've sinned. Secondly, we believe. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, we believe, God, that your Son was nailed to a cross, that he died for our sins, and by the power of God was raised from the dead. We believe, God, that Jesus Christ can uh, change a dead and a broken person and speak life into them, Father. Church, in your own words, in your own way, would you just assert your belief in Jesus once again? And lastly, confess. Romans 9, 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth uh, with the mouth confesses and is saved. And Romans 10, 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So Father, right now, we just confess, God, that we believe in you, God. There is no way that we can get to heaven outside of you, God. You are the way and you are the truth and you are the life. And we commit, God, to follow you as best we can in any capacity, any way, God. Anything that you call us to do, God, we say yes, Father. Church, would you just begin to pray and confess your allegiance to Jesus?